Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you going to let me know the full story? Of course. It's why I'm here. Yay. I hope it's like not a letdown to you. Like, I hope that my story is like actually something that's interesting to you. I've never been to jail, so I think anything you tell me is going to be interesting. (laughs) Hello, I am Alex Weiss, and this is Revealing Your Secrets, the podcast, where every week we will reveal your secrets in whatever ways you let us, whether that's written submissions, voicemails, we'll even be talking to some of you on the phone about your secrets. We are toying with how to do these intros for the podcast and Amanda and I were discussing the possibility of us discussing our own personal lives, what's going on, our our own secrets, if you will. Totally. So I wanted to check in with you guys and ask if you care. (laughs) Do you care about me or my life or Amanda and her life? Do you want to know? Do you not want to know? It doesn't have to be about us, but also maybe you do want a little insight into what's going on because, I I mean, I'm I'm sitting on a secret right now that I could share. I'm full of secrets, baby. Me too. Why do you think I make this podcast? Like, why did I start the series in the beginning at at all? I have stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So do I, which is what I think I love about it. I'm like, oh, I like... Like, having these, like, real conversations, you know? Yes. So let us know. Do you care? (laughs) Write write down below. I care. I don't care. You've got mail. On New Year's 2022, me and my brother hosted a party at our house. I'm 19. He's 21. My brother had a girlfriend at the time, Amelie, also fake name, but she was a horrible person. She was very abusive to my brother mentally and physically, and everyone in my family literally hated her. However, he still invited her to the party. Right when it turned 12 a.m. and it was time for a New Year's kiss, I was with my boyfriend, but when we pulled away, I noticed at the corner of my eye, Amelie kissing one of my friends that was invited. My friend was blacked out, did not not consent and also tried to pull back but Amelie didn't let him and I saw my bro- my poor brother just a few feet away looking fucked up this is where it gets kind of messy and I lost my collective shit I started walking fast towards her and on the way I see on the counter some cup assuming it was probably just alcohol I picked it up and when I got close to her I slapped her and threw it on her face I didn't do it too hard, or at least I thought, and I just spent like 10 minutes screaming at her. When I was done, I grabbed her by the arm, opened my door, and yanked her out of my house. At that point, it was pitch black, and she had no way of returning home because she lived like 30 minutes away from mine, but I didn't care. The next day, my brother told me her mother called because she hasn't gotten back home. Fast forward, it's been almost three weeks into 2022, and she's still missing. No one knows what happened to her. Search parties have been going on ever since that morning, but no one has seen her since that night, and I don't feel bad. Not gonna lie. Oh, my God. Okay, well, you actually submitted this a little while ago, so I wonder if there are any updates to the story. If so, 
please email me and let me know if she was in fact, I don't know, abducted, if she staged it. it I, wow. I actually don't think it's your fault at all. Um, it was your party and I feel like you had every right to say leave. Uh, it could have played out anyway. Maybe she's fa faking it or maybe she, she really did go missing. I don't know, but I really want to know. So please email me. Also, kind of cheers to your brother because he got an easy out of, a, of an abusive relationship, which are, are really hard to get out of. But if someone goes missing, it's like, that's awesome. <laughs> it's literally not awesome. I'm sorry. Um, but it, it's kind of awesome for your brother. Yeah. I mean, why should they feel bad? It's not their fault. No, I don't think it was. I mean, sure, you shouldn't kick a girl out on the – but it sounds like – and there's probably – she could have slept in the lawn or got an Uber, you know? I don't know. Did she say she threw her out? She yanked her out of her house. Oh, yeah. She probably lives in a residential area. I also love how they said, I lost my collective shit. <laughs> all of all it. All the shit. I gathered it up <laughs> and I lost it all at the same damn time. <laughs> to be honest, I have met the abusive type and I just don't really have a lot of empathy or sympathy I obviously don't want a random girl to get like abducted or or killed, but um, I'm I'm having a hard time finding a part of me that gives too much of a shit because of my own lens that I'm viewing it through of dealing with people who are abusive. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. Me too. Yeah, you didn't kill her or abduct her, so. I think it's okay. Whatever they did, like slapped her and threw her, like that's, you know. I mean, it's not ideal. It's not ideal, but it's like we're also not condoning, no, right? I like don't, it's like I you don't just, whatever you did, whatever you did, that's like that part I, I feel like obviously you're responsible for. Yes. But it's not connected to like this person disappearing. Yes. That's a beautiful point that I'm glad you made. All right. Good. My dad died recently. We had a bad relationship, but I had to come home to plan the funeral slash clean out and pack his things. As I was cleaning out his room, I was sitting on the floor and crying. I said out loud, give me something, a sign you're here, anything. Boy, did I not expect what I was going to find. I go to clean out his closet and I find a box with a small zip-up bag inside. Inside this bag is a cylinder of sorts and the top had a twist-off cap. I had no idea what it could be, so I opened it and I wish I hadn't. If you haven't guessed by now, it was a flashlight. Oh my God, worst of all, it was used. I was the only one up there so no one else saw it. I didn't tell my mom about it, they were divorced. So no, I didn't tell a widow. I found her husband's sex toy, LOL. After I found that and hid it so I could throw it away later without anyone noticing, I had to go downstairs to see my entire extended family and not say anything. I'm not sure what's more traumatizing, him dying or me finding his Way too recently used sex toy. Ugh. Also, I was on his phone a few days later, and he had another one in his cart. Slash orders on Wish.com? <laughs> it had seven speeds? Why? The man wanted options. I don't speak to my dad's side of the family, and he lived with his mom, so I wonder if it was ever actually ordered and delivered. How do you know it was used? The only way I can imagine is that there was, like, residue in the toy which is honestly you ask yourself which is more tra traumatizing him dying or are you finding a sex toy it's, it's absolutely the sex toy I, I think hands down I mean ev of course it's sad when people die but to be honest every everyone does at some point rarely 
do we find our dad's used fleshlight? That is horrifying. And it's so funny that you asked God or whoever, whoever's up there, whether it's like the mainframe of our simulation for a sign and then found a fleshlight. I, it's almost like, it was almost as, as if you were being told, it's fine. Don't sweat it. Like He wasn't that great. And I only say that because you said that you had a bad relationship. But it, it kind of reminds me of when you find out information or see something months or years later from an ex. And you go, whoo, dodged a bullet. Not that you should be happy that your dad died. But maybe, maybe this is a sign that you don't need to lose too much sleep over it. I don't know. I, I'm sorry for your loss uh, of your dad and whatever innocence you had left before interacting with his used flashlight. Oh, I'm cringing. We have to move on. My precious dog is registered emotional support and helps me deal with my anxiety. One thing she alerts on the most is heavy breathing slash hyperventilating. But sometimes when I masturbate, I breathe similarly to when I'm having a panic attack. So sometimes when I'm finishing up, she makes it, mistakes it, and tries to do deep pressure therapy. <laughs> I like that they added a little... It's, this, it's the little smiley for me with the t With, with the, the tear. single tear at the bottom. <laughs> it's very like, pour one out for the homies. <laughs> oh my God, this is horrible. I hate this. Absolutely boner killer. <laughs> Big turn off. I have a cat. And whenever my cat is anywhere near me, when I'm engaging in any sexual activities, whether by myself or with a person, um, it's a, a, like game over immediately. Especially with cats because they stare. She'll just look at me like something's tragically wrong as she's concerned or like I'm a spectacle. Um, but I just I, – I you need to kick the, kick the pet out, close the door, neither one of you – needs to be enduring that. Horrifying. Some people are might be into that, to be honest. But that's a whole other... <laughs> we, we don't need to... Amanda, do you like when your pets watch you have sex? Or um, with yourself or otherwise? Like, I don't prefer it. <laughs> no, it's not ideal. No. Especially when the dog's, like, trained... To, to react. Touch, it's like touching the dog at the same time. To react to it, though. It's it's beyond them even being in the yeah, room or watching. Yeah. It's literally like it's like particip it's participating. Yeah, like you have to have the door closed in this situation. You yeah. pet out, door closed. Yeah, like I'm fine with it with my cats in the room, you know? But like he's not gonna like jump on me and try to like save me. <laughs> it's also funny because uh, it's there's a sense of intimacy when when the pet is touching you and helping you, and so like you're having like an intimate moment, and also, but then it's sexual too. Yeah, I think these wires are getting you know it's too like, many. Yes, <laughs> the wires getting crossed. Yes. Like these are different types of intimacy. It's, <laughs> yeah, oh. it's confusing for everybody. Like the dog should I'm sure know the too. dog. Yeah, yeah, the dog's totally confused and pissed off. It's like, hey, I'm on the clock here. Literally, <laughs> literally, this is not what I'm working for. <laughs> Get your shit together, lady. <laughs> here, here. Manscaped has declared a smooth sack summer. 
Much like getting a haircut to cool down in the summer heat, we can keep our balls cool too. I don't have balls personally, but if I did, I think I'd probably celebrate smooth sack summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our code SECRETS20. Below the waist trimming and grooming can be challenging. I've definitely bled enough times to prove that. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare your pubes for summer. Whether you're sporting swim trunks or a bikini, keep your bush trimmed with the Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, which is waterproof and features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The package also includes the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant with clear-drying formula to stay cool in the heat, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goods. Also, check out the Shears 2.0, a luxury nail grooming kit that includes stainless steel nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. Celebrate smooth sex summer and get 20% off and free shipping with the code SECRETS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code SECRETS20 at manscaped.com. Sometimes it's hard to know what to buy when you're looking for products because there are so many options. When I try to buy skincare products, I never know how long to commit to a certain product or whether it's good for my skin. I'm just standing at Target and I just don't know how to make the choice, which is why I am happy to be working with Apostrophe, a sponsor of this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that provides access to oral and topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear acne. At Apostrophe, an expert dermatology team will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online consultation about your skin goals and medical history, snap a few selfies, and a board-certified dermatologist will create your first customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats all types of acne, from hormonal acne to facial acne, even chest knee, back knee, and butt knee. They treat breakouts from head to toe. I again, I just love the fact that I actually have a dermatologist recommendation rather than just the whim of whatever I packaging I like at the supermarket or Target. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit with an apostrophe provider for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash secrets when you use our code secrets. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash secrets and click begin visit and then use our code secrets at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so hear me out here. I know a lot of people would have done the same thing if put in the position um, that I was in, but I'm going to start the story now so you know what I'm talking about. So my dad and I went on a mini road trip um, up the highway from the little town we live in just to do some touristy things, see some landmarks, whatever. And on our drive home, we were jamming out to music. I was in the passenger seat. He was driving. And all of a sudden, I hear him yell, oh, my God, that's money. And I was like, what What the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean that's money? And he slams on the brakes in the middle of the highway and pulls off the side. There's no cars around us, though. He puts it in park, and he gets out, and he starts running back up the highway and I'm like the fuck are you doing dude so I get out with him and then I realize there's literally money flying in the middle of the highway we live in Canada so our money is colored and is flashy because it's plastic so he caught the shine and the color of a green $20 bill 
That's what made him pull off. So there's a bunch of shit scattered all over the highway. I helped him collect all of this, like, money and the cards and stuff. I guess somebody's wallet had maybe flown out of their vehicle while they were driving. But I made sure to get everything, including a driver's license, a bank card, and... Like, there was a social insurance number, like, everything. In cash, we collected $230. I think the wildest thing for me was walking up the side of the highway and seeing a $100 bill just in the grass. So, of course, we're not bad people. We put the wallet back together with his bank card and his driver's license and everything because that's extremely important. However, we wrestled with ourselves on what to do with the cash because we really could have put it to good use in our lives as anyone could. And it's not like everything was in the wallet. Everything was flying all over the road. We were running across the highway risking our lives to get this man's shit that flew out. So it was kind of like a little payoff for ourselves. It's not considered stealing because it wasn't in the wallet originally. For all we know, it couldn't have, it might not even have been related to this guy. I mean, most likely it was, but I'm just trying to validate myself. Um, so yeah, it would have been considered stealing if we took it out of the wallet, but we didn't. So it's finders keepers. So we put the wallet back together with all of the important things. We drove back to the touristy town, gave it to the police station, and I guess they were gonna call the guy and get it back. And then we went home with $230. My dad and I split it. And that's my story, my secret. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people would have done that. So, anyways, oh. I'm so happy you started a podcast, <laughs> but I'm not going to get sappy about it. So, I just want to say I love you so much. I'm actually not even mad that you stole the money. That's not the issue for me. My issue is that you just won't own it. You're being kind of annoying about it. Okay. I personally wouldn't have taken the money, but also I don't need it. And who knows if I, I would have if I did need it. I just want you to own and accept the fact that that's the decision that you made. Like the other people would have done it if they were in my position or uh, technically it's not stealing because it wasn't in the wallet. You it, you were down bad when you were like, it might not even belong to the same person whose wallet is two feet away. Like, girl, come on. Get a grip. <laughs> but you know what this is? And I, and I understand why you're doing it. I learned about this term recently, and it applies to a lot of things in our lives. It's cognitive dissonance. When your values and beliefs don't align with your actions, it's a very uncomfortable feeling. And often that can lead you to doing this sort of mental gymnastics to justify your behavior and bridge that gap between the way you feel and the way you behaved. So when you hear yourselves... You hear yourself going in these loops. That's what it is. You're trying to make yourself feel better. But look, you you did it. You have the money. Take your earnings and just don't do it next time. <laughs> I can see Amanda shaking her head in the back. She's like, yes, that is cognitive dissonance. Okay. Can I also say, though, like the other like thing about this one that I think is super important to note is like they did this with their dad. Like I think there's like – a, like a part of the reason this person's being so defensive is that they're like, I like my parent did this with me and wow. I don't want to think that my parent is like a bad parent. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a big part. Like if you personally, this is what I'm going to say. 
I would take the money if I wasn't with my kid. Yeah, but with my kid, I, example. Obviously, like I would say, no, we're returning this money because that's the right thing to do. If I was alone, or I was like, maybe I would do different. Honestly, I'll be honest. But I would with my kid. I wouldn't do, and I don't have a kid. But I, if I had a kid, that's what I would say. You know what this reminds me of? One time I was. I'm gonna be really discreet about the details because it's to someone's personal life that I know. Somebody in my life basically came to me and told me something fucked up that their parent did and they laughed it off. And I was so confused at how they could have laughed it off like it was a joke. And then later I realized like, oh, there is such a discomfort in accepting that maybe your parent is not like, you know, the best person ever. Uh, And so, yeah, that probably, you're absolutely right. This girl is probably also bridging the gap, not only with her own behavior, but accepting that she was led in that direction by her dad. Wow. It's such a small secret that's actually, like, pretty dark. Yeah, because it probably speaks to, like, whatever else has gone on in this person's, like, child, like, whatever Generalized other... character. Yeah, or, yeah, or, like, whatever other decisions, like, this parent has made and, like, around them and, you know, like, I'm sure there's other, like, stuff. Question for you. Yeah. You did say, you said, I probably would have taken the money if it wasn't in front of my kid. Is that true? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> At least you own it. I mean, I probably would have if it's flying around on the street. Like, I love how she was. She was like, you know, we were doing hard work out there. Yeah, I, so but I wouldn't say it. it like that. I would just be. I would. Yeah, I would just be like, yeah, I probably would take it. I probably would. Yeah, you know? without without all the narrative. Yeah, I like at the beginning when the dad said that's money. For a second, I thought it was going to be like just I did, not literal money, but as if when people see like, oh, that's. You know what I mean? Like that's like that's money. Oh, you know. Oh yeah, like that's money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that it was. Yeah, it was money. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that's like actual money. <laughs> that's like making it rain. Like making it actually. It literally, it's like raining. It literally it's like rain. it's raining like money. Actually, let's be real humans that are not just gonna be like, yeah, I would return it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like some people, you know. Whatever. I would return. I would definitely return the stuff. Like I would never like use someone's credit card. That's insane. Yes. Here's the thing though. And I'm not even saying this to paint myself off as this. You would return it. I would return it. I have a dad who is the purest soul on planet earth. And that's what I saw growing up is someone who, you know, if somebody, if he didn't get charged somewhere, he would say, hey, don't forget. See, that's really good. I don't necessarily have that. (laughs) And then that goes to show you how important it is to have have parents that teach you that. that, Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Oh, Jeff. (laughs) I miss my dad. (laughs) Let's go on. Okay. I would like to apologize for this in advance, but here goes. So... For a couple of years now, it's bad. I'm sorry. It's bad. But I have thought my cousin was pretty hot. Okay. <laughs> I know it's bad. But like sometimes when I'm just clicking through Instagram stories, you know, I will click by an Instagram story where like a hot guy has passed. And I'm like, wait, who was that? He was hot. And then I turn I scroll back and it was my cousin. And I'm like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Like, vom, vom, vom. But, oh, why is he hot? Like, stop. Stop it. Stop. Okay. So sorry. Love your videos. Bye. The absolute mental breakdown at the end. Stop. Stop. (laughs) Oh, I'm really glad we got to witness that um, through our ears. (laughs) The thing is, we can't 
stop a natural physical response, you know? The the attraction to your cousin can't just go away with the intellectual knowing that you shouldn't feel that way. It's just a matter of what you do about it. And all you're doing is checking him out on Instagram, which, yeah, is a little weird, maybe. But there are a lot of people who are attracted to their cousins and do a whole lot more than that. So I'm actually proud of you. And um, I'll have you know... I also have a hot cousin. <laughs> and I'm just telling you that to make you feel better, but I'm also regretting it because perchance that anyone in my family listens to this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very selfless <laughs> letting you know that I have a hot cousin, but it is, it is true. Um, <laughs> Amanda, do you have a hot cousin? No, but I said I'd take the money, so we're even. Okay, we're even. <laughs> <laughs> I'm attracted to my cousin. You're <laughs> <laughs> okay. We all just a, just a touch of humanity, just a touch. I'm not going to claim both of these, all right? That's too much. That's fair. That's fair. And now for going public. Hey, Alex. I'm a 22-year-old female. When I was 18, I spent three months in a county jail and nobody in my current life knows besides family. After those three months, I was awarded with a felony probation for five years. Yes, I'm still on probation, which means I can't do a lot of things. Anyways, it was hell and quite literally the worst time of my life, but it sometimes feels weird walking around knowing I'm a convicted felon because if you look at me, you would never guess. I've had to jump through hoops in life to get to where I am today. At work, I'm described as shy and quiet. Nobody would ever guess. The first thing everyone asks when you tell them you've been arrested is, what did you do? That part is the most shameful because it's not something as simple or as common as theft or a drug charge. What I did haunts me with immense guilt to this day. It's put a damper on my whole life since, but I've remained positive. I got charged with a 245, but the situation was nothing like you'd expect. Whoa. Let's find out. Hi. Oh, hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm really good. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. I am kind of at the edge of my seat um, about the part of the secret that you didn't expose. So okay. before I probe you about that I want to move I want to keep everyone at the edge of their seats and I want to move uh from where we are now backwards okay so you mentioned that you can't do a lot of things because you're on right. probation what types of things so little things as far as like traveling drinking smoking like anything normal that I would want to do I can't do like it doesn't seem that crazy but for me, it's, like, very hard. Like, you can't leave the state. You can't drink, like I said. Oh, uh, what else? Sorry, I'm very nervous, by the way. It's okay. Um, no need to so be nervous. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I understand being nervous. That's fair. <laughs> I, uh, okay, so if you wanted to leave the state, do you have to get permission to do it? Yes, but I never had asked permission because I was always too scared. Like. I know that it would probably be approved, but it'd probably be a long process. So that kind of thing was always so scary to me. Like, 
I'd be in airports, like looking over my shoulder, like, oh, all these people know I'm on probation and like, Mm. they're going to like rat me out and stuff like that. So it was always like, like I had this secret, you know. Do you feel like you live with a bit of a paranoia because you know there's so much that you can't do? Oh, yes, absolutely. Like all the time around anybody, it just feels like everyone knows, everyone's watching me. Everyone is going to like, like I said, rat me out Mm. and be like, oh, she's not supposed to be doing that. She's not supposed to be there. You know, stuff like that. Do you do so. things that you're not supposed to do? Um, all the time, actually. <laughs> um, I guess I could talk freely about it now. Um, but are you not in probation yeah. anymore? No, I just recently was let off of probation earlier this month, so I, I can talk freely talk about it. Yes, yes, it's very because I was on probation for five years. So wow, so yeah, this is kind of a celebratory conversation. It is. It is. So it kind of lined up perfectly. Congratulations. Okay. Give us the info. (laughs) Okay. So basically I would like, I would travel a lot. I would drink. I would smoke. I would do all the things you're not really supposed to do. You're a person. You want to have fun. That's fair. Right. Right. So, but I always knew like if I got caught, it could be more jail time, prison time, in fact. So that's like one of the things that always scared me was being caught or being like just someone knowing you know do you why do you feel like you still did all of that even with that risk because I'm young and I'm stupid and (laughs) you know I still want to have fun and the risk you know made it more fun like going out of the state was like just like a rush, like all the adrenaline going to the airport was like, oh man, am I going to get caught this time? Like what's going to happen? You know? Are are you not in a system that comes up for them when you show them your passport or ID? That's the thing. The first time I left the state, I was so nervous. I was almost shitting my pants because I thought like once they scan my ID that you know how they do at the airport, I thought, okay, for sure. They're going to be like, it's going to pop up and someone's, it's going to say like, oh, she can't travel. And then they're going to put me in handcuffs and that's going to be the end of it. But that never happened. So Honestly, the fact that you even risked it is, I can't tell <laughs> if it's bad or incredible. I did it for good reason. I would, I would say like, you know, because I have family and stuff in other states. Yeah. So it's not like I was going out there just to party. Yeah. I mean, it's really sad, actually, that there are so many restrictions that Fine, drugs, alcohol, whatever, but not being able to basically move to see your family is pretty upsetting. So it it really is. It really is. So I'm kind of curious. You said your family knows about it, but how do none of your friends know if you just like went missing for three months? (sighs) That's the thing. Like I kind of just didn't ever explain it to people. And those people at the, in that time of my life, I kind of drifted away from mm. because I didn't want to explain where I was. But some friends did have an idea, but I didn't ever give them the full story. To this day, like a lot of people in my life don't even know the full story. Just close family. Are you going to let me know the full story? Of course. It's why I'm here. Yay. It, I hope it's like not a letdown to you like I hope that my story is like actually something that's interesting to you 
I've never been to jail, so I think anything you tell me is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of interesting things that happen in jail, let me tell you. Yeah, and I, I want to know about your experience in there as well. Let's let's start with what happened, actually. So you said you were charged with a 245, which is uh, assault with a deadly weapon, right? Right. But it's not what it sounds <sighs> okay. like. It's not what it sounds like. And technically, it is what it sounds like, but it's not as bad as what it sounds like, in my opinion. Other people might look at it and be like, well, I can't believe you actually did that. Other people are like, probably like, really? Like, that's it? Okay. So how, where did it begin? So it began, like, the timeline or, like, the setting? The I'm assuming there's probably a story that comes before the actual incident itself yes yes um that would be like I guess just living because at the time I was living with my mom still okay so it started with like me growing up there and I have a lot of siblings I have I was living at the time with um three younger sisters okay and they would you know I don't know if you have oh wait I should know if you have siblings because I, I do watch your videos, but. <laughs> Fake fan. No, um, I'm just kidding. I do. I actually have three <laughs> sisters as well. Right. Right. So, um, you know how it is like growing up with sisters. I don't know if they ever like went into your room, took your stuff, your clothes. I was the one doing out, that. Gave it to their friends. Because I'm the youngest. Okay. So, <laughs> so you, you understand like that side at least. Yes. So I was the older sister in this situation where I was getting the things taken from me. And I was just at a place where I was like wanting to like move out on my own and be more independent, but still living at my mom's house and having her rules and having to deal with my sisters and all of the stress that that brought onto me. And it was very difficult trying to explain that to my mom at the time because we just kind of didn't see eye to eye and just we never really got to talk about that kind of stuff. So we were always kind of buddy heads. We're both Virgos, so it never really was like that'll do it I don't know we kind of yeah we always butted heads um and so this one particular day I was just having like a meltdown about my sister's taking my stuff and then returning it or damaging it getting it to the friends and so I was just talking to her and you know we got into an argument and it just kind of escalated and this is where the assault with the deadly weapon comes in okay and so in my fit of rage, not even rage, just my, you know, my meltdown, we we're in the living room and there's a small little side table next to her chair that she always sits in. And in, the, in my madness and whatever I was doing, I took my hand, flipped the table and it ended up flying through the air and actually hitting my mom in the arm. And me never, ever, ever laying a hand on my mom in my life was shocked. So I kind of was just like, oh my gosh, like what happened? And I didn't think it was like a big deal at the time because it was like a small table, you know, and I didn't think it could cause much damage. Not that it was trying to cause damage. And so once it hit her, like she started freaking out and I guess she was more hurt than I had like thought. So I just like, didn't even really think about it. I just left the room and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like, let me go hide. And so next thing I know, I kind of just go about my day. And then my mom, I don't see her for the rest of the day. And so I go outside and I just start going about my day and I start cleaning out my car in the driveway. And then all of a sudden cops roll up on me wow. 
and they start questioning me, not even questioning me. They kind of just start yelling out stuff. And I'm just freaked out because I've never been like in that situation. I've never had to interact with a cop before in my life. So I didn't even know how to present myself. And me being 18, like, and very dumb, you know, I just probably didn't say the right things to them and kind of escalated the situation. And that's what ended me up in jail. Okay, so you were pushing back with the cops. Like, were you were giving them attitude? What was it that you were saying? Yes, I was giving them attitude. I was cussing them out because I was already, like, upset about the situation with my mom and that how that ended up. But at this time, I'm not thinking, like, that anything really happened. Like, between my mom, I thought, like, the table hit her and then that was it. But, yeah, so I guess the cops had heard a different story from whoever had called them. Wait, Which so your mom didn't call the cops. Somebody else did? My No, my mom did not call the cops. My sister, who wasn't even around at the time, had called the cops because she. Heard, I guess my mom had called her and told her the situation. And mind you, my sister at the time was probably 15, 14, 15 years old. So she didn't really know what to do. If I guess if you're that age and your mom tells you, like, someone hurt her like you're obviously going to do something about it so I don't blame my sister for that but yeah so my mom wasn't the one to call them and do you have an okay relationship with that sister now you seem to not hold it against her yeah no not at all did she ever apologize no we never really talked about it Mm. and I do feel like it kind of kind of makes it hard for me to get that close to her because it is still in the back of my mind because it hasn't been talked about yeah of course do you feel like one day you will talk about it just to sort of heal your relationship yeah of course because I do love my sisters like despite everything that happened like I've grown up now being on probation for five years like that's really hard so it's like I've learned to let a lot of stuff go and not hold grudges do you feel as or do you know for a fact that you would not have been sentenced as much if you handled it differently with the police than if you had not? A hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent, because I feel like in my heart that they would have dropped all the charges mm. if I were to just go with them peacefully and explain myself and explain the situation because there was never a conversation about like, okay, what really happened? Like, we really want to know your side of the story, whatever. So. So at that point, it didn't yeah. even matter if your mom was saying, it's fine. I'm not upset. It it was a matter of yep. them, them was having the, issue with you. Exactly. So at that point, it was like my mom could have said, oh, I don't want her to be charged with anything. But that wouldn't have done anything at all. Like, so it was up to law enforcement. Did your mom testify against you? at all so like me my mom doesn't really know the whole legal system and so when she was summoned she showed up and kind of put the nail in my coffin and didn't realize it at the time wow um because she did end up testifying against me so that is another really hard thing that I had to deal with but you know I'm guessing she just said exactly what happened but it didn't help Exactly. Yeah. She didn't help at all. Was a part of your charge uh, something that has to do with the way you were interacting with the police or it was just about the situation? It was, yeah, it was just about the situation. They, I think because of the way I acted, kind of aided in them 
having a actually intention to follow through. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay, so did they arrest you that day? They did, yes. What exactly happens when you first get brought in? So it depends on the day of the week. So if you get arrested in the middle of the week, then you're kind of you kind of just stay in jail and then you go to court the next day. Um, but I think I was arrested on a Friday, so oh. I had to wait the whole weekend to go to court on Monday because they don't do court on the weekends. And so you're sitting in jail for that whole time until they transport you down. Well, you're sitting in the station, so the station that's in your city, and then they transport you to like the county jail. And then from the county jail, they'll take you to court back to your city. So... That's kind of what happened with me. Like, they had to transport me all the way down, like, probably an hour away, maybe an hour and a half. And so every time I went to court, I had to come all the way back to my city. So you had to wait. Was that interim period, uh, the experience there, different than the three months you had in jail? Yes. So the first few nights in the station were, like, probably the most miserable nights of my life, like, I was just crying the whole time, just miserable because all I wanted to do was go see my mom. Like that's everyone's first instinct. I feel like it's like they want their mom, like that child, that child need, you know? So I was just beside myself. Like I couldn't contain my sadness. Like it was just awful. When you're, when you were there the first few days, are you interacting with anybody else who's in there as well? And no, not at not at the station. So, like I said, it's in your city. So you're kind of. I mean, I guess it's different for everywhere. But sorry, there's a car. But for me, um, yeah, I wasn't interacting with anybody. I didn't see anyone for like days because they had me just in this cell by myself. How did you just stay alone. preoccupied? Um, honestly, the days went by like a blur because I was just so like sad. Like I didn't even want to do anything. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to read the books that they gave me. I literally would just sleep and cry. And then was the whole court ordeal just one day? No. So for my case, it wasn't just like a one day and then everything's your sentence and then whatever like the whole court process takes about three months I guess for me so I would have to keep going back to court and then every time basically every time you go to court there is a chance that they'll let you go home Mm. and they'll release you um so I did I I ended up going to court I think about five times in that three months and each time except for the last, obviously, I just had to go straight back. There was always something like new in my case or just they would set back the sentencing to a later day. Like it was always something. So you didn't actually get necessarily sentenced three months, but you had to stay there because the court process took three months? Yes. And I wasn't ever bailed out. That was another thing. If I would have been bailed out one of the first nights that, or the first night, then I wouldn't have spent the three months in jail. I would have just, I would have been released and then I would have to just go to court when they called to go to court, but I would still be living my normal life at home. How much was the bail? I think it was 
10,000. Oof. It's a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. Does it make you m- mad at all that, I mean, you basically served time that you didn't even get sentenced just because we have a system that's slow and kind of involves a lot of tedious steps. Like that would make me livid. I'm mad for you right now. Yes. Yes. I'm still mad that I spent three months in jail for uh, what I feel like is such a small incident. Like people serve that amount of time for like bigger charges yeah. and then they're let go. Like, I don't know how many people are hitting a t- with their mom with tables, but <laughs> in my case, I'm just like, really yeah. like three months. I also know it sounded like you really had no intention to hurt her, which also just makes the no situation intention. so different. So what was it like all. in jail? What was your experience? It was crazy. Like, as you can imagine, like everyone in there is a criminal, like until proven not or whatever. That's what they say in jail. Everyone's a criminal in jail. Um, so even if you are innocent or your crime isn't as bad as they're making it out to be, like everyone's a criminal. You have to keep like you have to look behind your back like all the time like you can never like just put your head down and like keep to yourself like you have to be watching wow so it's like that constantly it's like this constant like fear like something's gonna happen because you don't know these people and you don't get to know these people like no one's ever gonna sit there and tell you the whole case why it happened and anything like that because everyone's in there trying to get out so did you not make any friends I did make, that's the thing, in jail, you can't call anyone your friend. And I learned that the hard way because I was 18, never been to jail. So I didn't know how to interact with people. I didn't know if I should be friendly or if I should tell them about myself and my life outside of jail. So it was always very hard. So I I would say I did meet some people, but I wouldn't call them friends. Why did you learn the hard way that you couldn't trust people or call them friends? Oh, man. There was this one incident. So in jail, they have like a whole, what they call a pod. And so there's like a bunch of cells that like two people sleep in. And then there's this big open area. And one night for movie night, we were watching this movie And I was seated in the very back because we couldn't find a good spot, like me and the other people that I was watching this movie with. And I had seen like a chair in the front open up. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go take that chair. Me being young, dumb, not really knowing how jail works. That's obviously somebody's seat. Mm -hmm. You don't just, just take any chair in jail. Like that's someone's seat. I didn't know this. So I sat in the chair, not thinking anything of it. And a couple seconds later, someone woman walks up to me and demands her seat back. And I don't know why I took it upon myself in that moment to play tough guy, but mm-hmm. I decided to be like, no, this is my chair. I'm sitting here. And she got real close to my face, started cussing me out, yelling at me, yelling, screaming into my face that that's her chair, that I need to get up like in that moment or something's going to happen. But that turned into this big, like, seeing so people around us started like like seeing what was going on and then the guards started seeing what was going on and just caused this whole massive like uproar and I the the movie ended up getting shut off and that was like 
that's like a big no no. Like if you get the movie shut off in jail, like that's you made everyone mad. It's yes, literally everybody in this whole pod. So I was like literally scared for my life because everybody in that moment was like yelling at me, cussing at me because they knew that I was the reason why their movie got shut off. So that was like the scariest moment for me in jail. One of the scariest moments. Um, But I ended up being like transported to another section of the jail. So nothing ended up happening, but it was just, if you can imagine, like so scary. Wait, wow. So they actually transferred you because they were able to identify that you were in danger? Yes. They're very good at that. The, the guards there. So were there other instances that you think are notable that where you felt like you were in danger or people were sort of messing with you? I've seen Orange is the New Black. This is all I'm basing my knowledge off of. No, like, trust me, when I was in there, I was thinking like, Orange is the New Black, this is literally my life. <laughs> um, but there was those characters in there that were very intimidating and scary. And I did get put in a cell with one, I'd say definitely mentally unstable woman. And I'm not sure what kind of disability or issues she had, but it caused her to hear voices and talk to herself, but all day, constantly. And if you can imagine a nine by 11 foot room, maybe, maybe if that big, um, you're just stuck in a room with somebody who's constantly talking to someone that you can't see, but they clearly can. Wow. And so that was very scary to me because I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. And it's like seeing someone dealing with something like that. Um, but there was this one day that I guess these voices she was hearing were getting mad at her or she was getting mad at them. I'm not really sure. It's a one-sided conversation on my end because I'm not sure what's happening on the other side, obviously. Um, So I remember just being very fed up with her constantly like talking and she would talk very loud and sing very loud. Like she would sing these like opera songs like all day and night. And I was just, I hadn't, yeah, like I hadn't slept in like a couple days because of it. So at one point I was just very fed up and I was like, hey, like, can you like, be quiet, please. Like I was trying to do it as respectfully as possible, but when you're dealing with people in jail, like nothing, you can never be respectful. Like no one's gonna like comfort you and like you're like, oh yeah, this is how you want it. Like okay, like let me accommodate you. Um, so that didn't make her very happy, and she got in my face just like the other ladies, and basically threatened to kill me. And wow, I was like, okay. So I got the guard's attention and I was moved like very fast. Like, so yeah, that was another very scary incident um, being threatened like that in a very small space where you don't know what this person is capable of. You don't know what they're in for. So that was very, 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 very scary. So I have heard this issue that a lot of people have in jail and I I realize that this is probably a lot of people's experience but it doesn't sound like yours let me know if I'm wrong that the guards themselves can be very hostile and troublesome did you have that experience at all oh yeah there was one in particular 
that would make it her mission almost to upset a lot of the people in there. Like we would have periods of time, like I believe an hour or so of free time, free time during the day um, where we could just kind of interact with other people. You could eat food, you could play games, card games, stuff like that. And she would like almost make it so we wouldn't get that free time or it would get cut short or we just couldn't do anything besides just be in our cell all day. Like everyone looked forward to getting out of their cell for the day and like being able to go see people and, you know, actually have that human interaction because that's like the most important thing in jail is having other human interactions so you don't like lose it. So she would really like make it very hard for people in there. Like I believe it was, there was some holiday. It was almost like Orange and New Black where there was a holiday that or was that what you want? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, basically she just was evil. Okay, speaking of Orange is a New Black, <laughs> I'm sorry, this is an inappropriate question. There was obviously a lot of girl-on-girl uh, -girl sex in Lesbian is the New Black. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> lesbian is the new black i'm so sorry um in orange is the new black what, what was that did that happen when you were there oh yeah there was definitely a lot of um relationships <laughs> and there was definitely a lot of stories that i heard about girls hooking up in the showers and girls hooking up with the guards like that Whoa, kind of stuff the really guards? happens it, yes it really happens wow and like Orange is the New Black really kind of portrayed the whole jail prison scene very well, in my opinion. Like, there was some things that were, like, a little off that would never really happen in real life. But for the most part, yes, Orange is the New Black is, like, a good representation of how jail is. You would say it's just maybe a little dramatized or what's yeah, inaccurate? definitely. Um, the inaccuracies probably be, like... The the things that we get away with, okay. you wouldn't really get away with in in real prison. That like, absolutely makes sense. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Did you have any male guards? I did, and that's the thing. Like in jail, the male guards are like seen as these like like if you're a straight woman, yeah. Like everyone is like lying after them. Like everyone wants them, even though they're a guard and you're literally in jail. But were there was creepy? the guards that I had my eye on. Oh, there oh, were? no, they weren't creepy. Well, they weren't necessarily creepy, but they did know they had, like... Power. Like, the girls were looking at... Yes, like, and the girls were looking at them. So they kind of walked around, like, I'm kind of the shit, you know? Like, I know all you girls want me, but you can't have me kind of thing. Oh, my God. Okay, speaking of, was the food good? No. <laughs> the food is not good. Um, in my county, at least, they give you a bologna sandwich every day and that's about it you get like two bologna sandwiches and then they give you one hot meal at the end of the day um the hot meals were never great I mean they weren't terrible it, I would equate it to probably like school lunch okay but maybe like leftover school lunch Ooh. if that makes sense yeah like day, so, just day old school lunch yeah yeah Definitely um, tasted like leftovers. What does a standard day look like in jail? Standard day would be, okay, so you 
like I think about at six in the morning is when they do their count. So that means they go around and they make sure everyone is where they're supposed to be. They have everyone in the right cell. So that happens at about six. So that's when everyone usually wakes up. And then after count, you get your breakfast, which you have to eat inside your cell. And then I believe about noonish is when you get that free period where you can be let out of your cell to go interact with other people. And then after that hour's over, you're back in the, your cell for the rest of the day. So you're really only out of your cell for an hour. Like, like you've probably seen on TV, that's very accurate. Like, wow, you don't get to have any kind of free time besides that hour. So once a day, about an hour. Otherwise, you are in your cell. Right. And there's like a, there's a toilet in your cell, too. Yeah. Yeah. I had to get used to peeing in front of people. And, and pooping? It was. And pooping, yes. Oh, I hate that. But then when yeah. you go to the showers, is that's like once a day and it's supervised? Um, I wouldn't say supervised. I mean, they do have like an area where it's just like a shower. Um, and you can choose to take a shower during your free time it was never mandatory, which if you can imagine being around that many women um, or just people in general that some choose not to shower every day. It got, it got pretty stinky in there. Wait, so the only time you can shower is in your free time? Yes. There's no time where like there ever time to get clean. You decide. Yeah. And you have to make sure that you are first in line for that shower or someone is holding your spot or you didn't get a shower for the day. That sounds stinky. How often did you shower? I made it my mission to shower every day. That okay. was my like moment of like zen. Self-care. I was just, yes. This might be a weird question. Is there anything you liked about your experience? Yes, actually, I enjoyed it. On it honestly felt like a vacation from my own life. Like I didn't have to worry about bills. I didn't have to worry about drama. I didn't have to worry about going to work, what I'm going to wear, how to do my hair. I didn't have to care about my appearance. Anything like that just went away when you go in jail. Like it just, it's like a timeout for adults. That's how I always looked at it. Like, you know, so it's like, that, that was the only perk, though, that you didn't have to worry about your outside life while you're in there. But you do kind of miss it still. Was there a how did you stay busy during all of those hours? After I got over like the initial depression, I would just read. I can't tell you how many books I read in jail. So that was my main thing. Other people would draw. Other people would mm. write. Did you I, I was a reader. Like reading a lot before, or would you say you kind of pick up a picked up a new hobby now? That's the thing. I didn't read before, and I don't read after. <laughs> okay, so you were like now it and was now just, only. Yeah, it was just the time that I was there. What kind of books did you read? All kinds. They they had all kinds of books in jail. Mainly, um, like love love stories, like long like novels like about love stories because like that's what people want to read in there they want to read about like you know having love that makes you sense because really you're that so in, isolated in right in this whole process of how it played out do you think that race at all was a factor in what happened with you 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that looking back, I know how I would have handled the situation um, because being an African-American woman, like I'm already kind of at more of a higher risk of like, you know, um, I get, I wouldn't say abuse by the police because they've never abused me, but just the abuse of power and stuff like that. Yes. Um, being the race that I am. So I definitely feel that played a part because, you know, other people have more privilege than I do. And that kind of shows through how long you spend in jail. Like if I was of a different color, it probably wouldn't have happened. Who really knows? Yeah, I know. Of course, there's no way to know for sure. But it's sort of just like we all know that there is a... a undertone if not like an overtone I don't even know if that's a word of inequality in our like legal and our legal system so um, that's just really honestly devastating as well like on on top of obviously just that being a part of why you were there for three months without even being sentenced right so I'm sorry that that played out it's a it's okay now do you feel like your experience has shaped you in any positive ways? Like how, how has this influenced you in, in ways that maybe have altered the trajectory of your life? I think in a lot of ways, honestly, I feel like I'm just more grounded now. Like I don't feel the need to blow up at people. Like not that I had a problem with that, but now I know how to control myself in situations. So it doesn't escalate to that um, because now I know what can happen. And if you get law enforcement involved, I know that it's very, it's a very tricky situation. I know now how to talk to law enforcement when I ever do come in contact with them. You have to be respectful. You have to, you know, just say yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Whatever they want. Like you can't just speak freely. Like, and that's kind of sad yeah. in reality, like that you can't just talk to people who you are supposed to be protecting and saving you. You kind of start to fear them in a sense. Which is horrible. But yes, I do understand. Okay, so now on the other side of this whole experience, your relationship with your mom is okay? Is that accurate? Yeah. We are closer than ever now. I love that. And still some reconciling perhaps to do with your sister. It seems like you have like this really weighs heavy on you um from the way you submitted it you don't tell people in your life about it what are you afraid of I'm just really more ashamed in a sense because I'm like very ashamed of what I got charged for and the incident itself if I were to really tell people what happened I know they would judge me in some sense um, because they just don't really know all the facts. I would really have to lay down everything for people to understand like that it was just an isolated incident. And it's not something that I do often or like I've done before. Um, but yeah, like that it's mostly just shame. And until I learn to like get over that, then I'll be more comfortable telling people in my life, Yeah, you know, it's hey, I used to... Yeah, exactly. But I I do want to tell you, as someone who just heard this whole story, I really do feel like you could share it with people, obviously, that you're comfortable with, and they would hopefully understand, because 
I mean, there's no part of me that's judging. I, I'm just like, that was a really unfortunate series of events. It was. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Would you have any other takeaways? Um, no, but I was, I really enjoyed this. I've never really got to talk about this with anyone in my life. So it kind of feels like a weight off my shoulders in a sense, because I, I've never talked about it in depth like this. Okay. That, that means a, a lot to me that this meant <laughs> something for you. Um, and maybe it'll encourage you to talk about it more because I also have found that not discussing things that weigh heavy on me can be very heavy. Yeah, and I think that this will kind of push me to want to share this with people because I just feel like I have like this dark cloud above me sometimes. Like my, that's my past, you know, like oh, like my past is kind of dark and I don't want to share it with most people because it'll scare them and really make them think like what kind of person is she really? It's interesting hearing you say that because really after hearing the story I I don't I wouldn't see that being how people react at all but you know we always make things out to be maybe more scary in our heads um I don't know I really quite haven't I really enjoyed talking to you I really like you I can tell just from this one conversation and um I just hope that you do feel more comfortable telling people about it because I don't think you need to walk through your life I I hope that you don't walk through your life with the cloud over your head anymore because you just seem lovely and it, it well, already took enough you of your so time much. and energy, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I just hope the best for you. You you're really lovely and I'm sorry Thank you that, that so happened. Much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for having me. Wow. Um I feel a little emotional, <laughs> to be honest. I think when I started this podcast, one of my intentions was to be able to engage with this content in a more meaningful way and have really uh, just more, more intimacy with people in exploring their experiences. And I feel like this is a, a really meaningful moment, just hearing her say, that she hasn't been able to talk to anyone about it and that it was it sounded like it was cathartic for her to talk to me about it means a lot that I can just provide that for anyone. I like I I feel a bit sappy, but that was kind of what I'm here for. And so I feel um sorry also not about me. <laughs> I made it about me. Um that was crazy and very upsetting. I uh I don't know much about the legal system, but I I do know that people get screwed over and how complicated it, they make it and like how racially biased it can be or how slow the system works and and the implications of that so it was really upsetting um to hear how that played out in her life I'm really really grateful that she was willing to talk to me and also that it helped her in any way hi Hello. How I'm are Alex. you? Nice I'm Alex. You. Oh, great. My name's Alex. So I'm doing What? I'm doing okay, thank you. I'm uh, I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. I, I wonder if we have this one thing in common since we have the same name. So what thing? Um, 
and I don't think I can be the only one who does this, but I will lift my blankets up above my head to get a whiff of my farts because they smell good. And they, they be extra stinky lately. Uh, well, it's um, not really. No, I am not into this kind of uh, <laughs> this kind of sophisticated pleasure of yours. That uh, I think that I, I you're not the only one who told me that uh, liked uh, these kinds of things. So it's quite common. You know, but do. how do you know it's common if you don't do it? Because I've heard other people do it. You know, maybe on the internet, some uh, meme, uh, some random video of people. But you who, do like the smell oh. of your own farts, right? No, no, I do not. Alex, Alex, come I, on. I, 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 I do not, madam. Everybody <laughs> like yes, you should call me madam. Everybody likes the smell of their own farts. I, I don't have strong evidence to the effect that everybody does. Some people definitely do, and I do not judge them. But I personally do not. Do you not like the smell or do you not mind the smell? I do not mind uh, the, the, the smell of my, uh, you know... Uh, of my body's emissions, but uh, I I don't like it. It's not that I'm into it, uh, but it's look. I I don't think this is going to work between us because I don't think that fundamentally we're the same. Only because of this, it's everything. Not only it's everything. It's everything. Everything. I, I'm sure that smelling fart is not the, the all and end all of your existence. You may have other interests in your life. So, for example, I see some some art hanging over your wall. So maybe you are. It's all secondary, okay? And, and you would say it's, it's not the end all be all because you don't understand, and you never will. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. What are you doing on here? Um, looking for some girls in you. Um, I'm a girl. I don't know. I'm just looking to talk to people. What are you looking for in a girl? Mm, I don't know what they want. Mm. Like, in sexually, you're looking for a girl? Maybe, yeah. I, I would, but I, you're not really my type. Oh, okay. What is your type? I think my grandma's hot. What? I think my grandma's hot. Okay. So I can't get you in an other mind? What'd you say? I can't get you in in an other mind. In another mind? Yeah. No, I'm I'm grandma minded. Oh, okay. So um, do you have a grandma? Maybe. Yeah, of course. Yeah, are, do you think she's hot? No. Mm. Okay, well, it seems like we're at a dead end. So you will not show me anything? What do you want to see? Your boobs, maybe. Hmm. Well, since you asked politely, no. Hmm. I'm sick of men asking to see my boobs. Sick of it. Okay, for this episode's round of applause, I feel like there was a theme, a reoccurring conversation around 
honesty and telling the truth in this episode. So here's your assignment. You can handle this in a bunch of different ways. If there is something weighing on you, either tell someone in your life if that makes sense for you or submit it to the podcast, either in a written submission or you can send us a voicemail on SpeakPipe, which is mutually beneficial. You get the relief and I get content. <laughs> uh, but really, though, it, it, it can be pretty cathartic to write stuff out. And so even if you don't want to share it publicly, if there's something weighing on on you, write it in your journal. The assignment today is just to take, if there's anything weighing on you, take it and release it in some way or another. You could even write it on a piece of paper and burn it. I, I don't know. Eat it. Don't eat it. Don't eat it. <laughs> don't eat it, okay? Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review Revealing Your Secrets, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. That would be really cool of you to go rate it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That'd be so cool of you. Whoa, that would be so cool. <laughs> Sorry, was that overkill? Remember, you're only as sick as your secrets, so send them to me. Go to castmedia.com slash secrets, that's cast with a K, to leave a voicemail or fill out the anonymous submission form at the bottom of my show notes. Today's episode of Revealing Your Secrets is a production by Cast Media. I'm your host, Alex Weiss. My producer is Amanda Elliott. My executive producers are Colin Thompson and Harris Lane. My editor is Arvin Lee. My technical engineer is Olivia Haas. And design and animations by Jeff Schweikart and Patrick Carrion. See you next time. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.